Welcome to Theology Jam. I am Matthew Burkholder here with my good friend, John Korkadakis. And uh, we have a, a podcast episode that we've, this has been sort of on the burner for a while, I think. Well, it has. I think we're we're revisiting a topic that mm-hmm. what, what did we do two years ago? Yeah, a couple of years yeah. ago, got me into a lot of trouble. So we're going to revisit it. That's right. all I can say about it. Yeah. Got me into a lot of trouble. <laughs> but but I think it's a really an important passage. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I remember right, this is going to come out in twenty twenty four. Yes, it should come out just after Christmas. Yeah, and uh, you know, um, you know, we. We did try to tackle some of the, the gender stuff and, the, and some of those issues, and it's it's warranted more conversation. Really, yeah. it has. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, we have, uh, you know, uh, I, we still have people like Mark Driscoll still spouting off things about women. And, yeah, but and yeah, girls. This is a, yeah, women and in ministry. Women like in ministry. Talk about women. Yeah. That's the that's a topic we want to tackle too. It's something that we've. You know, we've had conversations about it's something I've kind of wrestled with personally. Um, sort of grew up, uh, sort of in a in a culture that sort of supported the idea that women should be submissive or, um, uh, you know, not be leaders in the home, not be leaders in the church, not kind of have those spiritual authority over over men. Uh, and it wasn't in a it wasn't it. You know, it wasn't in a very abusive sense or like diminutive, you know, very, it was just, it was a kind of culture I grew up with. Yeah. And so this, yeah. this isn't even just, you know, this describes an issue that we see in, in the church, but it's also something I've had to wrestle with personally. I've something I've really changed my mind on um, as I've sort of rethought the New Testament, as I've thought about uh, you know, um, women's experiences in the church in, in, you know, the way I've even failed in, and in, in trying to sort of make this idea fit in like in my relationship and my, you know, my family and. Oh, and I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to, uh, yeah, you just mentioned your family. Mm-hmm. I failed my wife, mm. you know, I failed my poor wife coming at it from, what we were taught. We were yeah. supposed to be the head of the right, household, yes. you know, all, all of this kind of stuff. And, you know, if I'm brutally honest, yeah. I diminished her value yeah. just because of that posturing yeah. and had to wrestle with it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sorry to inter- no, interrupt. No, no, yeah. I think a lot of, like, I, I have I have had a lot of conversations with, with young men who, and I mean, this has been decades worth of sort yeah. of, you talk about the posturing, right? And the... the and yeah, the devaluing of, of women and how, you know, on one hand, we've, there, we've heard this message that, you know, men and women are equal in value, but then when it comes down to the whole, you know, uh, roles of, of men and women or the, you know, the authority of men and women, the insights or the capabilities yeah. of men and women, then those things sort of break down Yeah, and it becomes a, in, in, in all practicality, this belief that men and women really aren't aren't equal right and so you know trying to sort of work through those messages and sort of see the harm that they they can cause and um you know we've 
you know, did I talk about, have I mentioned this sort of what's going on in the church too, right? Like with Mark Driscoll and I, I don't know, we were talking well, about that beforehand, but yeah, yeah some, um, of the, some of the recent kind of sound bites out of that guy who still, you know, this is still a very current uh, problem. Uh, you know, there's, there's still large churches, there's mega pastors who well, hold to these which I believe are very harmful views and yeah. beliefs that can really end up hurting a lot of people. Yes, yeah. you know, Southern Baptists, look, look yeah. what they've yeah. done, you know. Um, and 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 what what really angers me about the Southern Baptists here, and I'm, I want to be really clear about this, um, who's 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 the guy at the seminary? Al, is it Albert? Albert Albert Moeller, yeah. Right? He got up at, the, at this one conference... And instead of saying this, this is what I really objected to. Instead of saying, as a as a denomination, as as a group of Southern Baptist churches, we're holding to this interpretation, right? And this is what we think is the right interpretation. So, as this group, this is how we're doing it. But instead, he got up and said, "This is what the Bible says." This is definitive. We're holding to the word of God. And that stuff just just angers me to no right. end. And he should know better. Right. You know, we're not talking about, about the deity of Christ. You know, there's there's so many things in the Bible concerning Jesus and what faith looks like and the importance of having faith in Jesus, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But there's a lots of other biblical stuff that are up for debate. Mm-hmm. And to take a secondary issue and to treat it that way with the with the authority and power that he has over the denomination, mm-hmm. shame on him. Like yeah. I thought that was disgusting. Yeah. He should have known better. And that 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 lends itself to a different kind of conversation about how uh, you know, using the Bible, a particular issue in the Bible. Uh, can also become uh, a question of uh, of power too, right? Like, you yeah, can, you know what I mean. You can you can take something that should be a secondary issue, should be more of a conscience thing, or maybe leave it up to sort of like you said, as a denomination, this is how we feel is best to proceed in our church government and in our interpretation of scripture. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 kind of the freedom of thought that we all sort of. And, and, are and, trying to you know hold to in our in our kind of modern society, but to you can you can take something like that and you can make it a primary issue so that you can you use know, it as a weapon against as a others. Weapon yeah. or this, this becomes how we judge right, you exactly. as a church. Oh, yeah. yeah, and it becomes and we've seen that like we've seen that in in churches that are centered around a be- like an identity or a belief, particularly when it comes to, you know, the the idea that women should submit to men and those types of things. And you kind of peel back and there's a person behind that who has a lot of power and a lot of, a, you know, maybe an abusive authority. Like I think of the Mars Hill, like, and if, you know, we've talked about the Mars Hill thing, I think on this podcast and we've, there was a really great Christianity Today podcast, yeah, The Rise and yeah. Fall of Mars Hill. And, and, you know, there was a lot of people in that church that were trying to make this sort of form of family work in their, in their you know, in their marriages, in, in their churches. And it, and it worked for some, right? Like kind of even quote unquote worked for some. 
But it really allowed Mark Driscoll, who was the pastor of that church, to have a lot of leverage over people. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so if you if you weren't sort of following this this form in your family where the the woman stays home and the man is the leader, like it allowed him to sort of speak into that and be like, well, here you go. You're not right. You're not following God's plan God's for your plan for, for your all. family. Oh yeah. And then it allowed him an incredible amount of power over people's lives that should be something that is personally determined by a family or relationship. Um, and you know, the, the amount of issues that boil down to this should be something that is freely f- sort of worked out. Yeah. But there's a, it's, you know, unfortunately there's, there's usually a man behind it who's over looking into things and saying, nope, you know, this is what you need to do. This is how your family needs to look. And the amount of stories that came out of that church of people that were just hurt and broken, broken and, and yeah. trying to make this thing work and, you know, husbands and wives in conflict and, um, you know, it caused a lot of pain. So this is, you know, I guess what I'm trying to get at, you know, this is a pretty, this is a pretty major issue. It's a major biblical issue and how we, how we handle the texts that with, that deal with this issue. And it's also a church culture issue. It's a, it's a power issue. Um, and it can even be a, 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 an issue that where people are actually getting hurt. So I think it's, you know, we're both passionate about it because we've seen, we've seen that. Well, right? we, yeah. we, we've seen the destructive nature of it, yeah. you know, and how it hurts people and hurts, hurts women. And, um, I, and again, I think it's an absolute distortion of, you know, like back to the Albert Muller case. And he yeah. says, this is the way we interpret it and all this stuff, but not any humility as to the holes in their own interpretation. Right. You know, um, you know, as professors, we we tell students that, you know, the New Testament letters, especially Paul's letters, are occasional documents. Right. They're written to specific churches um, with specific needs in a specific culture that Paul is trying to deal with and to correct them and to adjust what's going on in their churches, right? And and the two two major books like 1 Timothy and 1 Corinthians were the the two most egregious passages that we have in the New Testament concerning women um, come out of two cultural contexts that are really volatile. Um, You know, 1 Corinthians, they had all kinds, it was the Vegas of its day and had all kinds of uh, prostitution temples. And so some of his, some of his, you know, admonitions to that church have to do directly with what is happening there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get to First Timothy, um, it's the cult of Artemis and Ephesus that he's dealing with, and he's talking to Timothy and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. For instance, you know, like the first, uh, the first Timothy passage says, um, Paul says that he does not permit women to teach or to have authority over a man, okay? Mm-hmm. Anthropos, right, in Greek, mm-hmm. and, and all this stuff. And yet in churches, we say, oh, we're talking just about the senior pastor. Right. 
right? right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, how do, yeah, how do yeah, we yeah, get yeah. there? No senior pastors in the New Testament, by the way. Right, yeah. Right? There's, there isn't the church structure in the New Testament like we have today. Right. But they're okay to teach youth. They're okay to be missionaries. They're right. okay to teach Sunday school and all this kind of stuff. And if I'm right in that culture, uh, any anyone over 13 years of age was considered a man. Okay. Yeah, so, that's, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, they're not even allowed to to speak to youth or anything like that. So it's it's such a distortion of the of exegesis right. to say, oh, we're only talking about a senior pastor position. Right. Yeah. If you're going to follow through with it, then they, you should follow through follow with it. Through yeah. With yeah it. Exactly. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And and yet we all know that the missions movement was highly successful because of women mm-hmm. who felt the call of God ended up going out to the mission field because their own church wouldn't allow them to do anything else. And then when they, you know, they would build churches, hospitals, and all this stuff in these foreign lands, come back and said, oh, um, you can't speak to the congregation. You could only maybe <laughs> teach in Sunday school, right. you know, after you've done all this marvelous stuff for God. It's just oh. insane. Well, that's the thing that has always kind of bothered me about this issue is that, um, you know, are we willing to say that the Holy Spirit, you know, that's the thing that gets sort of sort of stifled in a lot of these discussions is, is cannot the Holy Spirit equip a woman to lead, to guide, oh, yeah. to teach to do amazing things. And we see that in the history of the church when they've had, when, like you said, women have had to sort of go outside the institution of the church um, and oftentimes end up sort of bringing challenges against sort of the institution of the church because, because they are successful. You know, we have women itinerant preachers who were like, you know, evangelicals leading, you know, thousands of people to faith. And, and then, and then not being allowed to 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 say anything in a in a church congregation, you know, you know, like that. You're you're right. Like, and and the sad thing is, is you know, you talk about being consistent to the passage. Is you know, there are churches that do try to really be consistent to the passages there in Timothy, and 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 I think the point that we're going to make, you know, in just a second here is. Is is Paul is inconsistent in how he deals with this issue or speaks to this issue in oh, First yeah, Timothy? Oh yeah, he deals with women differently in right. First Timothy than he does in First yeah. Corinthians. And, and 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 you know, it's important to sort of step back and and realize that, that there is a locality to to these these documents, and you know, we can't just ignore the fact that Paul commends women leaders and allows them to read his letter Romans in in the church congregation and interpret things and and prophesy and you know like and and so what do we do with that well I mean one option is to do the sort of the Albert Moeller method and just sort of interpret everything away you know take one passage and then I'm going to use this sort of negotiate all the other things away underneath of it instead of just allowing these two things to sort of exist in the in the New Testament and at least admit there's a tension admit that there's something that maybe you need to 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 embrace there in that tension and and not 
become so uh, dogmatic about about this particular interpretation. But yeah, like you know, you mentioned the Timothy one about the Corinthian one. What about the Romans one? And well, Phoebe yeah, at the yeah. at the very end, you know, like in in fact earlier uh, earlier commentators. Uh, tried to change the name, you yeah. know, so they, it wouldn't come off as a female name. But anybody knows about the, the letter carriers of the day. They're the ones that would go, they would read it, if, especially if it was a circular letter, right? And, and what, what some people don't realize is that they would have to read the letter and then answer any questions right. from an, an interpretive scheme. So technically, she's... She's teaching, right. you know, yeah. and and um, not not only that, we'll we'll probably get into it a little bit later. But um, the way Paul commends them uh, as 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 a faithful servant, equal to to himself, right, and and calls them other. Um, um, uh, oh, I'm trying to remember what the what the, one of the terms is that is he it, uses. Is it the esteemed among the apostles? The esteemed among, which is, yeah. Which is, uh, it's not Phoebe in that particular context. Union? It's, uh, yeah, which, yeah, which is the one that was tried, they tried to they, change. They yeah. tried to change. That was yeah. the one that they tried to change. Yeah. So, um, so, so Paul is, you know, when you take those two passages and you, and you look at the entire corpus of Paul's writings, they stand outside of you know, his normal discourse when it comes to women. So you got to say to yourself, what's going on there? Right. Like in the first Timothy passage, if I remember earlier on, he said women shouldn't wear jewelry uh, or braiding their hair, yeah. and he's got these other things. But you know anything about the, the culture, that's what, the, that's what defined the, pro, the prostitutes of the day. Mm-hmm. They wore certain things. And, and again, Paul is talking to a church in its initial stages yeah. and trying to purify them and s- demonstrate that they're separate from the culture. They're not, you know, and, yeah. and all of those kinds of things. But we just want to wash all that stuff away. It's true. We do. And it's, it's, it's too bad because, um, you know, <laughs> you know, there's a... Have you read Jesus and John Wayne yet? That's Not a, yet. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a pretty oh, powerful yeah. one. But what what's interesting about that is, is Paul is sort of engaging the culture and, and talking about sort of the destructive nature of some of these. You know, uh, you know, the, you talked about the cults and the the temple prostitutions and things. And what what uh, that book Jesus and John Wayne outlines is how. A lot of the 20th century discourse on, you know, gender, men and women, you know, sort of complementarian ideas, it mirrors sort of this cultural reaction uh, against, you know, women's rights movements. And and so it's sort of interesting how the parallel um, between, like, I guess the, the point I'm trying to make is when, when, when there's a group coming down hard on women that they are supposed to be submissive and they're not supposed to have authority, that's representing a a cultural sort of ethos that we should probably be trying to reject. Yeah. We should be doing what Paul is doing and being like, no, we need to be separate from these ideas about, you know, women's roles needs to be in the home or women, you know, women, women came out and, you know, started working 
you know, they, they needed to work. And, and we learned that they're very capable, right? Like this oh, idea yeah. that women aren't capable of doing this. There's, there are still industries that are predominantly male-driven and, you know, dominated by men. But they still have women in them who are capable of doing that, mm-hmm. right? And so all of these ideas about, you know, women aren't capable of leadership or aren't capable of of authority or aren't capable of, you know, protection or all, the, the list goes on and on. You know, the, re, the, the response to that has been, oh, no, no, they really aren't. They really are capable, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that, has, that has been what some groups in the church have sort of gravitated towards and latched onto. And I've always said, you know, that's a, that's, that's a form of cultural Christianity that I think doesn't belong, doesn't belong in the uh, church. Abs- and absolutely. I think, yeah. And, you yeah. know, for, for, yeah. for me, I, I think we should be leaning into, you know, uh, beliefs about men and women that can liberate people and can uh, empower them and, 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 and let them live according to the gifts and the calling and yeah. the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that they've experienced. And, you, you know, we have women elders in this church. Yeah. Amen. And they are, and they are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And yeah. and you talk to them and they are wise and they are loving and they are incredible leaders in this church. And I just think, you know, why would I want to deny that? And and you know, they have brought things to the elders board that if it was only male dominated, we would have missed. Uh-huh. There's oh, a level man. of, yeah, there is just a level of wisdom there that uh, we would not have seen otherwise. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just been uh, an incredible blessing. Um, and it's, it's, it's just, I, I just cannot believe that we would think that the Spirit of God would look at a person's, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. physical makeup yeah. and say, oh, I can't give this gift to them. It, right. it just... It's such a ludicrous idea to me, and I actually read something just this morning where somebody was arguing that very point. Yeah, that the spirit of God would stop and say, "Well, I, you know, I, this person can't be allowed to have," because, and I just thought, my goodness, you know, I, I, there's, there's, um, there's, there's two things that haunt me. Um, Have you ever seen the statement, "The future is female"? Yeah. That always saddens me every mm. time I see that, mm-hmm. because I know that it's a cultural reaction to some of this stuff that we're talking about. Yeah. I think that's so sad. We should just celebrate the future of empowerment for everyone type yeah. thing. You know, that's that's what I would rather see. I, I just think that's really sad that, that that that's the reaction that's happening. The other thing, I don't know if I talked to you about this, I remember... There was a study group that um, um, they were they were coming into the building and and somehow they were they got to talking about the problems in the church and um, how the church was struggling. Not ours in particular. They were talking generally, broader, about, yeah. you know, in, in North America. And I remember one elderly person said, "Well, you realize it's all because they're allowing women." And, and I, you know, when you just, you hear a statement yeah. and you kind of, did I just hear that properly? Right. Did yeah. I, are, are you, are you serious? And I remember 
just letting them go on, and I, I think I think I broke down in tears or oh. something. I, it was just incredibly sad. Yeah, incredibly sad to think that that would be the mindset that the demise of the church or the the, the church mm. was somehow being hurt, right? Because women were allowed to and in how, leadership roles. And how are you? How in in, in like? Sorry, it's yeah. staggering, right? <laughs> yeah. But the but the I. How can you not s- interpret that statement as meaning women are less, less than men? Yes. Oh, yeah. Like, if that's the, what you think yeah. is the problem with the North American church, if you're going to actually equate that, yeah. then you, you, you must, you are in, ev- in an unequivocal sense being somewhat sexist, yeah. right? Like, you are. Like, there's no, I don't know how to... Read that in any other way. I, I I don't know how to read that in any other way either. You know, and, it's just unbelievable. And you know, in in what you know, you talk about you know bringing the problems of the church. You know, bringing that into the conversation and saying you know all oh, the problem is that women are leaders. I mean, just just think about all the problems that we've had in churches because men never were taught by women. They never had women leaders. Elders, there's a church that they they are going to be pastors of where half the people in the room are women. Oh, yeah. They don't know how to speak to them. They don't know how to engage them. They have no interactions with them. They don't learn from them. Half the times they're afraid of them because they don't, you know, they've been taught that, you know, if they're anything, they're just a temptation for you and your ministry. Oh my right? God! Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and when and when, and when you think, okay, uh, this uh, you just hit it on something. If you, if you think that half your church is female, right, and to think that what is it? Um, eighty, almost eighty percent have would have, would have experienced some form of abuse mm-hmm. in their lives. Uh huh. Which you know, statistic for men is is much lower. Mm-hmm. But imagine that you can't even speak to 80% of, you know, half your congregation. Yeah. Because you have no idea. Yeah. You're not even thinking, like, you're not even including them in your, or thinking about, and, you know, I've heard so many sermons where, you know, when I was younger, I wouldn't have thought anything of it because I'm a guy, right? I'm a man. Mm -hmm. But as I've gotten older, I've learned, I've become more sensitive that, you know, my wife challenges me and... She points these things out, and she's like, "Do you realize that, you know, that ser- that sermon we just heard, you know, wherever we were on the internet or whatever? It's like you realize that pastor was was completely excluding women from the conversation. From the conversation, like yeah. as a woman, I could just check out, and I'm I'm I might as well not be here, yeah. right? And that and that was, I didn't even pick up on those things yeah. because it was so church was sort of." In, in a way, for me, because I, I'm a man. It's it's a men. You know, I see men leaders, pastors, the elders are. You know, the leaders are all men. All that. It just the professors are all men. You know, my teachers. All that. It's just all men, and it just becomes so natural that oh, this church is for me. But it shouldn't be just for me, right? Well, you know, <laughs> you know let's let's celebrate something. You just you just mentioned something, um, but I don't know how many people realize how many female scholars there presently are around the world who are writing incredible tomes on theology, communion, uh, you know, cultural studies, 
Paul, women in ministry, like yeah. all of those kinds of stuff. I have listened recently to more podcasts, and like I've been listening to a lot of podcasts because I'm getting ready to do study on the book of Revelation, but, um, you know, uh, but some of them are female. Oh, yeah. And staggeringly intelligent. Yeah. And and biblically powerful, mm-hmm. literate, you know, people. Yeah. And I've learned so much. Yeah. I've absolutely learned so much. And and what I appreciate about many of them is they're really driven by context. Yes. We are not driven by context. And I, you know, I think that's the biggest disservice that we do to the Bible. The biggest disservice. For instance, um, you know, the second passage that always causes angst is, you know, 1 Corinthians 14. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's verses 34 to 35, where Paul says, um, a woman should, not, should remain silent, silent in church. Yeah. And it's disgraceful for her to talk. Right. Okay? Yeah. Now, if you go back to chapter 11, he says a woman should have a veil on her head, uh, but in order to pray or prophesy in a church, a woman should have to be speaking, right? Like, I know. Yeah. So he, he just said it's okay. They need to wear a veil to, to pray and to prophesy. Are they doing that silently? Yeah. And yet, you know, three chapters later, he's talking about being silent. So something is going on there. Mm-hmm. Is Paul contradicting himself? Like, what, what is going on? And it's like, but we can pull that one verse yeah. or those two verses out, and suddenly it becomes the mandate for everything and right. miss entirely the, you know, the, the argument that Paul is making all the way along, that the, yeah. there's something going on. Um, so in, anyway, um, to, to, to impose these passages on the church and specifically to a senior pastor role is, is, is so far removed from the original context. It's yeah. really disgusting how, yeah. how we've treated this. And it's, you know, it's caused, like we've said, it caused a lot of hurt. And, you know, you talked about women like leaders and what they contribute and scholarship. And, you know, I've been so privileged to, to study under some of the best like scholars in the world at Toronto and 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 in Hamilton and you know there's you know there's even like you talk about the experiences the context like that's such an emph- emphasis with a lot of like uh, women theologians and there, and it's not like you know and when I say like there are women theologians I don't want you to get the impression that these are like token token people. oh no no, no no these are like these are you know, they are excellent. They're, you know, we're not just reading them because, oh, I want to read some women theologians. No, it's like, this is, this is some top-notch scholarship, you yeah. know, and Sondra Rager is a really, really powerful person that I've, you know, been in, interacting with and not personally, but, you know, in my studies and research and some of the reflections that are made uh, because of their experiences as women you know, being able to think about theology through that lens. Like I wrote a paper about Julian of Norwich, who was a, you know, a, a you know, a sort of a mystic, right? And and one of the things that I pointed out was the the sort of way she was doing theology was based deeply on her experiences, 
but it it was predating modern theological insight mm. by hundreds of years. You know, we think of we thought of this whole, you know, a bunch of theologians in the 20th century started doing theology a particular way. And it's often heralded as this sort of new and modern way of doing theology. And I pointed out this this woman was able to pick up on these ideas and themes and 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 speak to these things on her based on her experiences. Yeah, you know, literally hundreds of years before, and you know, she was able to challenge. She was able to challenge the sort of institutional church, and and it's it just you know, I just think about the the power of women's voices. Throughout, throughout church history and how many of them we probably haven't heard or never will hear. And, you know, there's, there's some scholars that are trying to revive a lot of those forgotten women's voices in church history. And, and when you read it, it's, it's just incredible and it's powerful. And I, and I just, again, I don't, I don't understand why we would want to limit the, the church, you know, to, to only the voices and only the leadership and visions of, of one gender, Right. Well, they, they've, they've added such a, an incredible voice to mm-hmm. and another dimension yeah. to the whole study of theology, which yeah. is, is really powerful. Um, you know, do, do, do we realize that at Jesus' crucifixion, only Pilate's wife mm. defended him? Yeah. Everyone else, you know, and yeah. Yeah, even his own disciples, I mean, right? It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the women who were the original heralds of the gospel, Right, yeah. they were the ones who came to the tomb, and the stories of, of that are are women's being having taken a central role. You know, we we talk about you know Mary and her role in in the gospel, and and you know it was women who were followers and early disciples of Jesus and martyrs, Fe- and you know female prophets in the Book of yeah, Acts and, yeah. and onward, like you know, yeah. there's a highlighting of of women in the Gospels, in, in the book of Acts. Uh, the faith of women are, are central, and, and again, they're not even, they're not like a token sense, right? Yeah. It's like the book of John, the, you know, the very first person to sort of experience Jesus is, is a woman, right? Yeah. A woman at the well. And, you know, I've, I've been always impressed by that and wowed by that. And, you know, it's not, like you said, it's not perfect. The, you know, the New Testament, there's some tension there. There are some things when you read them, it's, it's, it's troublesome, right? Yeah. That's, that's troubling to hear that women should not speak, right? But, you know, we got to take a step back and see the big picture and what's happening, realize these documents written in the first century, right? And to a first century audience, they're going to reflect that first century world and, um, you know, and, and realize that we can, we can interpret those things and work through those things in this broader context. And I think, I think that's, that's a more honest way of dealing with the text. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um, um, you, you know, um, getting back to Phoebe and I, I, I found it, she was this, described as a deacon mm-hmm. and a fellow laborer for the gospel. That's that right. was the yes. terminology. Yeah. I was, yeah, um, you know, and, and those are high praises coming from the Apostle Paul, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, a- anyway, I, I, I think, I, I think um, it's, it's, it's staggering to me that 
um, this is still an issue in the church. Yeah. It, I think that's what really, really bothers me. And this, this is our second podcast having, having to deal with it. But I think, you know, we're, we could be guilty of, you know, having a particular point of view and, you know, we're going to get accused of that and, and pulling out of scripture, our viewpoint and everything like that. But can we at least say that if you're on the other side of it, Mm -hmm. that you can do the very same thing? Yeah. This is not uh, an easy, you know, we've got some difficult passages. Um, but let's be honest in our exegesis, and I'm at this stage of my life, I'm very comfortable yeah. with my exegesis to yeah. put it. And I can defend it, and yeah. I just think, I just think, whatever side you you take, even if you want to take that that women don't aren't allowed a senior, can you at least be human yeah. <laughs> towards them? Yeah. Because I think. Complementarianism over the centuries has been very degrading to women, yeah. and and I think they can at least have that honesty because in our sinful selves, if we think we have this level of superiority, right. well, we will we will utilize it whatever it's to our benefit. Yeah, and I think that's the the hard part. That's the danger, right? Yeah. Um, you know, when I uh, when I was telling my wife about the topic, she sent me this incredible poem, and yeah. I think I'd like to close with it. Close with a poem. Close with a poem. <laughs> but it's powerful, and uh, I think it'll be worth consideration. Uh, it's, it's called Sometimes I Wonder by Caitlin uh, Shetler. And uh, it goes, Sometimes I wonder if Mary breastfed Jesus, if she cried out when he bit her, or if she sobbed when he would not latch. And sometimes I wonder... If this is all too vulgar to ask in a church full of men, without milk stains on their shirts or coconut oil on their breasts, preaching from pulpits off limits to the mother of God. But then I think of feeding Jesus, birthing Jesus, the expulsion of blood and smell of sweat, the salt of a mother's tears onto the soft head of the salt of the earth, feeling lonely and tired, hungry, annoyed, overwhelmed, loving, and I think if the vulgarity of birth is not honestly preached by men who carry power but not burden, who carry privilege but not labor, who carry authority but not submission, then it should not be preached at all because the real scandal of the birth of God lies in the cracked nipples of a 14-year-old and not in the sermons of ministers who say women are too delicate to lead. That is a really powerful poem. It is a powerful poem, and, you know, we, we're recording this uh, four days away from Christmas. Yeah. And, you know, as we f- reflect on, you know, the gift that Mary participated in to bring about the, the Savior of the world, we should probably uh, be a little bit more uh, considerate of how we think about uh, women in, in God's plan and God's uh, work. Yeah. yeah. Amen to that. Amen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If anybody... Um has uh, any comments, we would love to hear from you. Uh, and uh, if you want any any topics yeah. that you want us to, to tackle as we look forward to 2024 and the next year of podcasts. And by the way, we have some exciting things yeah, coming up we and uh, yeah. we're looking forward to those in the new year. But thank you for listening. Uh, we really appreciate those that uh, 
uh, connect with us, and we'd love to hear from you. So if you want to contact us, you can contact us at theologyjam at gmail.com. And uh, again, any topics or anything, comments for this particular podcast. Uh, But until next time, God bless. Thank you.